Good morning, Hope Church. Good morning. How y'all doing? Good. good, good. Hey, it's finally here, right? Summer? Yay! Of course, there's not going to be any spring this year. That's been canceled. We're just going right into the brutally warm weather. But that doesn't bother me in the least bit. You guys know me. You know I like hot weather. Yeah, well, you know. You could run away to Florida again, but uh, probably be even warmer down there. So, But listen, I need your help this morning. I need your help because I need to know, is it me? Is it me? Because if it's me, I'll own it. I'll own it. I get it. But if I'm the only one, I'm going to feel even more insecure than I already do. See, when I look at the world today... It's really hard to believe what it is I see. There's so much division among people uh, about so many different issues. There's so much injustice, so much hate. And that's just in our country. And if you look at the world and, and this war that's going on over in Europe and, and all of the rumors of wars and the man-made disasters, the natural disasters... Man's inhumanity to man, I can't help but look at what's happening and wonder. It causes me to ask questions. Is it just me? Or are you guys with me? You're with me. So when we look at the world and all that's happening, it can be confusing and it can be troubling. I have a question for you guys. You guys know I love to ask questions, right? And I do that in the hopes that those questions make you think. Because we need to think critically about everything that we see and everything that we hear. And that includes what I have to say. My job is not to tell you what to think. Rather, it is to help you to think critically. John tells us in 1 John chapter 4, and I'm paraphrasing here, he says, don't believe everything you hear. And in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, Paul says, test everything. Test everything and cling to what is good. We need, friends, to think critically because what we think has a direct effect on our actions. What we believe will determine exactly how we live our lives. But how do we do that? How do we do that? How do we look at everything that's happening in the world and try to make sense of it? See, what we all do, whether we realize it or understand it or not, we are all developing what is referred to as a world view. A worldview, a lens, if you will, through which we view the world and what's happening in it. And that lens defines what it is we believe. Now, as believers in Christ, as Christians, the lens through which we view the world should be the lens of anybody? Scripture, right? Scripture. The Word of God. The Logos, as John refers to it near the beginning of his gospel. We must, friends, we must be developing a 
biblical worldview. A biblical worldview. Now, that term may be a little bit new to some of you, so let's, let's take a minute and let's define what a biblical worldview is. And this is critically important because this is what we believe here at Hope Church. Now, a biblical worldview is defined as, and I got some help from George Barna on this. You guys may be familiar with George Barna. But between me and George Barna, we came up with this definition. And the definition of a biblical worldview is believing that absolute moral truths exist and that such truth is defined by the Bible. That is a biblical worldview. Now, along with that, there's firm belief in six specific religious views. And those views are these. Number one, Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He is God himself, and he lived a sinless life. God is the all-powerful and all-knowing creator of the universe, and he still rules it today. Salvation is a gift from God through the sacrifice of Christ and cannot be earned. Satan is real. Hell is real, friends. This is not something that's been made up just to scare you. Satan is real. A Christian has a responsibility to share their faith in Christ with other people. And, and the bedrock, six, the Bible is accurate. It is inerrant in all of its teachings. Friends, that is the worldview that we cling to and we teach here at Hope Church. A biblical worldview. Now, it's sad because this research from the Barna Group tells us that even among evangelicals, even among people who call themselves Christians, very, very few hold a true biblical worldview. I'm not going to get into the, the statistics here, but friends, we should hear that and we should be troubled by that. Because it is troubling, and it emphasizes the importance of understanding how we are to look at the world. So, let's kind of circle back, let's come back, and let's apply this to all this craziness that's happening in the world today. And let's understand that while it appears that the world is going off a cliff, and we have all these questions swirling around in our minds, this isn't necessarily new. And there are answers. Where? In God's Word. So what I want to do for the next several weeks, I want to address some of the questions that we may be asking these days. We're going to look at some kind of general questions, and we may get uncomfortably specific from time to time, knowing, knowing, friends, that I am not going to tell you what to think. No. I want us to think critically using the lens of Scripture as our guide. Now, as I said a moment ago, many of these questions are not new. They have been asked in the past. And as we open up God's Word, for the next several weeks, we're going to be looking at the book of Habakkuk or Habakkuk, 
depending on where you place the emphasis. And I know that some of you are saying, wait, what, Habakkuk? Who, who's Habakkuk? Why are we listening to what this guy has to say? Well, to be honest with you, Habakkuk really lived in a pretty crazy time as well. And he had some questions for God. And as we'll see today and in the coming weeks, God had answers for him. Now, as you're feverishly looking at the appendix to see exactly where Habakkuk is, it may be challenging to find. It's a very short book. It's, it's the fifth book from the very end of the Old Testament. So you know where Matthew is. If you count back five short books from there, you'll find Habakkuk or Habakkuk. Which, which do you guys prefer? Do you care? Okay. So Habakkuk is one of the minor prophets. And Habakkuk is a minor prophet, not because it's less important than any of the other prophetic books that we're more familiar with. It's minor because it's just short. It's just short, and they happen to place it at the end of the Old Testament. And actually, Habakkuk is a little bit different from some of the other prophetic books like Isaiah or uh, Jeremiah, Daniel, any of those other ones. Those prophetic books were prophecies delivered to the people. What we find in Habakkuk is actually a recorded conversation between Habakkuk and God. And in that conversation, Habakkuk has two main complaints or two main laments, depending on which translation you look at. And we're going to address these in the form of questions. First question is this. Does God care? Does God care? The second question is, is God fair? And then in chapter 3, what we'll see is that Habakkuk doesn't ask this question explicitly, but in chapter 3, we'll find an answer to the question, is God there? And, and these three questions... Help me if I'm wrong here, but they seem like questions that would be asked today. So as I said, today we are going to address the question, does God care? Does God care about what's happening in the world? Now, we understand why we might be asking that question, but what about Habakkuk? What was going on for him? Well, in verse 1 of the New International Version, it says, the prophecy that Habakkuk the prophet received. Other translations refer to it as an oracle, the oracle that he received. And I think that's a little bit more accurate because that word oracle really translates to a common word for burden. Burden. This, this, this prophecy that, that, that Habakkuk had, it was a burden for him. And the prophecy that he was given was the coming of the Babylonian army, right? The Babylonian army was coming to destroy the nation of Judah. And this, this, this destruction was, it was justice. It was justice because the nation of Judah had turned their back on God. They had turned their back on God's law and they were living their lives the way they wanted to. Kind of sounds like the world today, doesn't it? But Habakkuk, he was weighed down by this prophecy. 
he was weighed down by this oracle, by this burden. And he wonders, does God care? So what is it that makes us ask that question? Well, we kind of get some clues uh, from Habakkuk in the beginning of uh, verse 2, where he says, How long, Lord, must I call for help, but you do not listen? So obviously Habakkuk had been, had been praying. He'd been praying to God. In fact, the English Standard Version says, How long shall I cry out for help? yet you do not hear me. Habakkuk had been pleading with God. He'd been, he'd been crying out to him, but now he feels as though that God is he's just not listening. You ever feel that way when you pray? I mean, you pray for something, you cry out to God, and you feel like your prayers just aren't being answered, either right away, or in the way that you expected? In a situation like that, we may ask the question, does God care? As we read on, we see another reason that we may ask that question at the very end of verse 2. This here continues the idea of how long. This time Habakkuk is saying, how long must I cry out to you violence, but you do not save? In other words, why are you not saving me? Why are you not coming to my rescue? And this word here, translated violence, it, it really is, it, it more accurately speaks to injustice or to being wronged. See, Habakkuk looked at the violence and the injustice around him in the nation of Judah, and he asked, does God care? Is there any injustice in the world today? Have you been maybe the victim of injustice? Have you, have you ever been wronged? Let's broaden it out and say, has anyone ever faced any troubles at all? Man, I would expect every hand to be up. Not just mine though, huh? In the midst of those troubles... And we will have troubles, right? I mean, Jesus guarantees it. If you haven't raised your hand and you haven't had trouble in your life yet, it will happen. But in the midst of those troubles, when we cry out to God and He does not save us, He doesn't rescue us right away or in the way that we wanted, we're going to wonder, does God care? I want to look at one other thing that causes us to ask that question, does God care? Let's look at verses 3 and 4. Because there Habakkuk says, why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrongdoing? Destruction and violence are before me. There is strife and conflict abounds. Therefore the law is paralyzed and justice never prevails. The wicked hem in the righteous so that justice is perverted. Are we absolutely sure that Habakkuk wasn't talking about today? It sounds a lot like the world today, doesn't it? I mean, he's talking about uh, injustice, wrongdoing, destruction, violence, strife, conflict. It sure sounds like our world today. But no, he was talking about 
the nation of Judah. Remember, the people of Judah had lost their way. They'd abandoned God. They turned their back on God. They turned their back on his righteous law. And because of that, the law was paralyzed and there was no justice. It's like a courtroom where law is no longer honored, but injustice is allowed to reign. And Habakkuk says that now the wicked outnumber the righteous, right? The wicked surround the righteous. Habakkuk saw sin and trouble and injustice everywhere in the nation of Judah, all the way from personal relationships to the courts of law. And this troubled him so much, he asked, why isn't God doing something about this? You ever feel that way? You ever look around at the world and you see the wicked prosper and the righteous are persecuted and suppressed? You know, evil triumphs over good and you ask why? Why doesn't God do something about this? This cannot be the way God intended the world to be. It just doesn't make sense. Does God really care? Well, this is a question that Habakkuk was struggling with some 2,600 years ago. And it's a question that's still being asked today. And look, let's be honest, you know, from our perspective, it may seem as though he doesn't care. But you've got to remember that we don't see the world the way that God does. We can't see the world from God's perspective. So, what about those unanswered prayers? talked about unanswered prayers, right? I mean, we pray and we pray and we cry out to God and nothing. Habakkuk, we saw that he prayed and began to wonder if God was even listening. But he was listening all along. Listen to what God says to Habakkuk in verse 5. He says, look at the nations and watch and be utterly amazed. For I am going to do something in your days that you would not believe even if you were told. And God says, not only am I listening, but I'm going to do something that is going to blow your mind. Isn't that just like God? He's hearing, and friends, he is answering our prayers in amazing ways. The problem for us is very often the answers don't come fast enough. We need it now. And when those answers do come, they don't, they don't always look the, the way that we want them to look. It's not always what we expect or what we want. But make no mistake, friends. God hears and answers our prayers. He promises that. Listen to what it says in 1 John chapter 5. There John writes this. This is the confidence we have in approaching God. That we, if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we ask of him. Friends, God answers our prayers. Uh, there is one caveat in there. 
Did you guys see it? What's the caveat? If we ask according to his will. See, very often we ask with the wrong motives. We are by nature selfish beings, right? I mean, I admit it. I see it in me. I see it in me. That's my nature. And very often we pray with the wrong motives. James warns us about this in chapter 4 of his book. He says, when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. That sounds like human beings. That sounds like human beings. But friends, make no mistake. When we pray to God according to his will and with proper motives, God hears our prayers. God answers our prayers. God cares. So what about when God doesn't come to our rescue quickly enough? He doesn't save us quickly enough. Does God care? Friends, God promises to deliver us in his timing and in his way. You know, when Habakkuk asked God, how long? God says, look, I'm already at work. And at verse 6, he says, I am raising up the Babylonians, that ruthless and impetuous people who sweep across the whole earth to seize dwellings not their own. And this is exactly what God was referring to when he said, you're not going to believe it. You're not going to believe it, how I'm going to answer these prayers. And it would have been hard for Habakkuk to believe that God would use this pagan nation to carry out the judgment and the justice that Judah deserved because of their sin. But friends, God uses all things, right? He uses all things. He uses the good. He uses the bad. And yes, he uses the ugly, to work out his perfect will. And God was going to use the Babylonian nation to bring to an end this violence and this injustice that Habakkuk saw in Judah. And when we find ourselves in difficult circumstances, we can know that God will deliver us. He's probably already at work, even if we don't see it, and even if we don't understand it. He will use our difficulties to shape us, but he will save us according to his perfect timing. Peter promises this in 1 Peter chapter 5. He says, And the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ after you've suffered a little while will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. God promises that he will deliver us in his timing and according to his will. God does care. And, and lastly, what about all this injustice and wrongdoing that we see in the world? 
all those situations in which it appears that evil is victorious over good, does God care? Will God judge evil in the world? This is the question that Habakkuk asks. You know, he says, why do you tolerate this? Why will you not judge this? And God says, I will judge all sin. And that's exactly what he was doing with the nation of Judah. And he was using the Babylonians to do it. See, you've got to remember that Judah was no better than Babylon at this time, right? I mean, they had turned their backs on God. They had turned their backs on his righteous law. Judah was filled with sin and injustice and violence, just like Babylon was. And God was going to judge them. And he was going to judge them harshly. Verses 7 through 11 describe the judgment. God says they, meaning of course the Babylonians, are a feared and dreaded people. They are a law to themselves and promote their own honor. Boy, that sounds a lot like the nation of Judah. And I bet we wouldn't have to look too far in this world today to see something along those lines. Their horses are swifter than leopards, fiercer than wolves at dust. Their cavalry gallops headlong. Their horsemen come from afar. They fly like an eagle, a bird of prey, a bird of prey swooping in to devour. They all come intent on violence. Their hordes advance like a desert wind and gather prisoners like sand. They mock kings and scoff at rulers. They laugh at all fortified cities. By building earthen ramps, they capture them. Then they sweep past like the wind and go on. Guilty people whose own strength is their God. See, God saw the sin and injustice in the nation of Judah. And he wasn't going to tolerate it. He was not going to tolerate it. And he was going to use the Babylonians to bring judgment upon the nation of Judah. By the way, Babylon was judged eventually as well. And again, God used the pagan king to do it. And he used Cyrus. Cyrus, that bird of prey from the east that Isaiah talks about. He came and he defeated the Babylonians. And it was Cyrus, it was Cyrus who freed the nation of Israel and allowed them to go back to Jerusalem. God uses everything. He works in very mysterious ways. And friends, God sees the sin and injustice in the world today, and he will not tolerate it. Oh, it, it, it may appear that God doesn't care, but he will address the situation in his timing and according to his will. And why does he wait to judge? Talked about this a couple of weeks ago. Why does he wait? Why does he delay? It's love, right? It's love. It's mercy. Exactly. Remember 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9? The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. And quite honestly, friends, that's why it took so long for God to punish the nation of Judah. God gave them every opportunity to turn from their sin and turn back to God. 
He sent prophet after prophet after prophet warning them of the coming judgment, warning them of the coming destruction. But what did they do? They ignored the prophets. They ignored the warnings. You know, think about it. If the, if the people had listened to the prophets, maybe there wouldn't have been a Babylonian exile. See, God cared enough for the nation of Judah to send the prophets. And friends, God cares enough for us that he sent his son that we might be forgiven and have eternal life. Does God care? Well, we've answered that question in very general terms. Absolutely, yes, God cares. And you may look at your clock and you may think, hmm, this would be a good time to wind it up. But I, this, has been, <clears throat> this has been on my heart. I want to take a moment to get uncomfortably specific. And I want you to remember that it is not my job to tell you what to think. But friends, we must look at issues in our world and we must look at them using our biblical worldview through the lens of, of what? Of Scripture. So does God care about the unborn? Let's see what the Bible says. Psalm 139. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. Psalm 51, you desired faithfulness even in the womb. You taught me wisdom in that secret place. Jeremiah 1, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Isaiah 49, before I was born, the Lord called me. From my mother's womb he has spoken my name. Friends, I could go on, but I'm going to end with Exodus 23. Do not kill the innocent and righteous. Does God care about the unborn? You decide. So, where are you at right now? Do you feel like God doesn't care? Do you pray and pray? Do you cry out to God only to feel like He's not listening? Have you been wronged? Have you been treated unjustly? And it seems like God is not coming to your rescue? Do you look at the sin and injustice in the world and wonder why it seems that evil is winning? Do you wonder if God really cares? If you have doubts, it's okay. It's okay. But don't turn away from God. 
No, let's, let's learn a lesson from Habakkuk and let's turn to God. And, and ask those questions. It's okay to ask God these difficult questions. God, do you care? Because he will answer. Know this truth. This is truth, friends, for sure. God cares and will answer your prayers. He will deliver you. And friends, ultimately, good will triumph over evil. And it's all going to happen in his timing and according to his will. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you, and, and Lord, we just praise you. We thank you for the way that you are working out your sovereign plan in this world, whether we understand it or not. And Lord, we cling to the hope that we have in you, the hope that you will answer our prayers, that you will rescue us in our time of need, and that you will judge the world, Lord. We know it. It's true. Because it's found in your word. Father, we thank you and, and we just pray that you would lay these truths on our hearts that we might live our lives knowing that this is true. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.